1: following broadcast has been approved for elite hornets fans
2: what a block by cody zeller walker down the lane
3: drive shoots score game over bringing back the buzz is only the beginning
0: we will not go quietly into the night
3: it's hornets talk for the hardcore fan it's hive talk live
4: Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined in studio by David Walker. David, how are you?
2: I'm great, Doug. Good to be back, and we've got playoff
4: basketball to discuss. Hopefully better playoff basketball ahead to discuss. Uh, Joining us in studio as well, the host of the Reinitiated, reinvigorated, really great podcast podcast the mic check podcast not a edwards not a welcome back friend boys it's been it's been a while i haven't seen you guys in forever it's and then been y'all go long. y'all go and
1: get tv gigs and everything else like that <laughs> and then you know what y'all just forgot about me it felt like i,
4: I didn't feel loved guys i put on i put on base makeup <laughs> i had to put i had like a like an ingrown this is way too much information but i had an ingrown hair and i put concealer on it this is what tv is doing to me it's making me way too concerned about my appearance
1: Yes, it is, but you know it is justified. I, I can't necessarily blame you on that one.
4: Coming up, guys, in moments, we head out to Miami and talk to Jonathan Jones with the Charlotte Observer who's been busy covering team practice as the Hornets get set to take vengeance on the Miami Heat after getting trounced in Game 1. Plus, our friend Nada, he's, he's here, he's in studio, and he has his thoughts on fan reactions to the loss, both mm. on Twitter and on the air. He has his finger on the pulse of the Charlotte Hornet fan kingdom and also nick denning at the hive writer he's back with what's happening around the nba playoffs but first a few words subscribe to us on itunes or your favorite podcast app and get live shows and our new daily hive o'clock alarms downloaded to your mobile device of choice if you're listening live we've got a poll up right now on atthehive.com on the show post what is your panic meter set to after that game one loss? Let us know on the post over on at thehive.com. It's important that you vote in that poll because uh, we want your voice to be heard and and we'll, we want to talk about it when we get to uh, not a segment later on. And because you can take game one, but you'll never take our spirit. Let's swarm Charlotte. Nada, it's been a while since uh, we we talked to you, so before we get uh, to our friend Jonathan Jones, just real quick thoughts on that Game 1 loss.
1: It's an aberration. I need everybody to calm down. (laughs) I need everybody to go get your favorite iced coffee, go get your favorite sarsaparilla, (laughs) something along the lines of that. Can we relax? Realize it was an aberration. Luol Dang is not going to go for 31 points in every playoff game this year because if he does, and you know what, fine, it, it wasn't it wasn't our year. Right. But we need to stop in fighting. There's certain things to take from this game. The first of which is they lost this game in the first quarter. As long as you realize that once the first quarter was over, and the way that they were shell shocked from essentially the speed of the playoffs. Once you realize all that, then you're fine. And as far as I'm concerned, that was an aberration. You should see a better game, too, no matter what going forward.
4: All right, that's a preview of Nada's Take coming up. I want to get out to the Hive Talk Live hotline where Jonathan Jones is standing by live from sunny Miami, Florida. He's covering the series for the Charlotte Observer. Jonathan, thanks for joining us.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Fellas. Thanks for having me on, uh,
4: Jonathan. I'm I'm a little jealous. I just took a work trip down to Naples, Florida, and had just enough time to get two feet on the sand. I looked left, I looked right, and then I had to go right back to work. Hopefully, you've enjoyed more of Florida than than I had a chance to.
5: Yeah, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. Miami's not not ever really been in my town, but when you have 72 hours between games, uh, if you don't make it out to the beach, I don't really know what you're doing. So I, I was able to do that today. It's been good.
1: You you fit in more out there anyway, don't you, JJ?
4: <laughs> <laughs> why would you say well, hold on, hold on. I I
1: hold on, why would you say that? Because if you've ever hung out with JJ, he's got those deep, deep cut V necks, and I make fun <laughs> of the, him for this all the time. So this is nothing new to him. But he fits in down there with those deep V neck T shirts that I know he's wearing, <laughs> right now especially, because so so yep. I know he fits in yep. perfectly right yep. now.
3: Very true. Very true, Nada. Well done.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, uh, you're V neck or not? You're you're enjoying it. Uh, the Hornets haven't enjoyed it so far. How is the mood around Hornets practice today and yesterday, both from the player side and Coach Clifford?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're still upbeat, uh, and look, Clifford has really beaten into them, and and they certainly do believe it, and to a measure, it's true. Uh, whether they lost by one or lost by thirty, it, it, the series is one zero, and there's nothing really you can do about that. Um, and, and so I, I get it that, and, and I also wonder, I, I see both sides. I guess is what I'm trying to say is that look, and you lose by thirty one in the playoffs, especially in the opener, that has to be somewhat demoralizing. But uh, if you, but on the other side of that token, I think a lot of people say, look, it's just one zero, and as Noah was saying earlier, as we've all said. It's an aberration. Uh, Now, does that mean that I think the Hornets are going to win four straight? No, I I don't. And I don't know if they're even going to win tomorrow night. But I I long expected this game to be played in the mid-90s. I'm talking 95 to 93. Uh, That would be a very normal final score for the rest of this series. Whichever way it goes, it goes. But no one expected the Heat to to score 123. And if either one of these teams for the rest of this uh, series get over 110, I would be surprised.
1: JJ, one thing, I know that Clifford has already talked about not changing up the lineups, but did he say expect more, I don't know, Troy Daniels, maybe a little bit more Jeremy Lamb?
5: No, you know, we it didn't. that didn't really come up. I think there's been so much focus on how Hassan White uh, dominated and, and how Cody or Al and, and what they need to do right there. You know, I, I think for a lot of fans and a lot of observers who may be watching this and they say, oh, well, clearly what the Hornets need to do is to put Al Jefferson in there, and uh, and then Hassan Whiteside is going to have more trouble with him. Well, Whiteside played pretty well against both of them, number one, on the offensive side. And then on the defensive side, they're expulsed for as soon as Al Jefferson went in there to match up uh, against Whiteside. After about two possessions, Amari Stoudemire was heading over to the scores table to check in. So they do have an antidote for that, for the Hornets' antidote. So uh, I don't think it's as simple that's just oh, I'll just put an L and, and play him more against Hassan. No, it, it's not that simple because then they'll play Amari a little bit more, and those two guys match up a lot better uh, with one another.
2: So it doesn't sound like this team's panicking, Jonathan. I mean, after I mean, Clifford's a very even kill coach anyway, and I think hopefully that's trickled down to this team. But even after the game, you know, they were certainly down, but it doesn't feel like they were they were distraught. Would you say that's still the case?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kemba's still very upbeat. Uh, and, and, you know, he said something, uh, today that, you know, these players are, are wired so differently. And, and he, he thought that they were still in the game, that they were going to make a run up until midway through the fourth quarter. And that's when he was like, all right, we, we need to pack kind of <laughs> with 10 guys. Like it, it's not going to happen. You know, I, I heard you guys earlier say after the first quarter, you know, it was kind of over, you know, I thought if they could get to halftime and it'd be a 10 point game Yep. Uh, that, you know, after, and then at the end of the third quarter, it's a seven point game, and then whatever happens in the fourth half. But as soon as it was not a 10 point game at halftime, and then they came out as cold as they did in the third quarter, that's when I knew the game was, was definitely over. I could go ahead and start writing my copy for deadline.
4: Jonathan Jones, Charlotte Observer, joining us live from Miami side of game two on Wednesday night. Jonathan, is there anything that the Hornets players or Coach Clifford pointed to specifically that seemed to put a wrench into their defensive plans against Miami?
5: Yeah, so it's interesting and, and a little complicated, but the Miami's pick-and-roll game is is really good. So, number one, Dragic can can obviously he can shoot the ball uh, off the pick-and-roll. He didn't do that uh, all that often, and he didn't really do that that well against the Heat's. But what we saw and what we all know about is the Hassan Whiteside has five dunks, most of those coming off of the pick-and-rolls, uh, and, and really bad rotations. Well, what you have is you have well, Ding doing a magetti cut off of the weak side of the pick-and-roll. And so the Hornets are able to stop that sometimes, but they have to be cognizant of that. And so the Heat can do three things off their pick and roll. And number one is obviously draw can He can shoot the ball. They can lob it to white side as they did many times, or they can find that cutter like a wall ding. Uh, like he's been so good at his entire career. Well, Georgia, I think was two of eight, maybe uh, shooting off of the, off the pick and roll. Uh, they were able to stop Ding cutting though. They didn't stop him doing anything else, but they got two out of three, obviously white side, their defensive rotations were off the entire game. And so it's, To them, they're saying, hey, we can fix this. We know what's wrong. The spacing in the back is a little different because of how Spolster likes to play perimeter and post guys along the baseline at very random times, uh, especially in their half-court sets. So um, they know the issues. It's just going to be a matter of actually applying it in game two.
1: JJ, anything from Marvin Williams? Because I know a lot of folks were disappointed in his performance. So do you expect him to bounce back?
5: You know, I think so. Now, as far as defense goes, I think a lot of people look at kind of the plus-minus, and they see <laughs> Walding with 31, and then they see that, you know, Marvin was matched up against him. Well, again, going back to defensive rotations, and I wasn't able to watch the entire game in full down here, but uh, I, I, I certainly know that it wasn't only Walding was just dropping 31, right, Marvin's face the entire time. There, were, there, You know, that was a that was a, a, a very bad team defense uh, that gave, and Walding did take some of. But also gave Wall being 31 points. Then on the offensive side, well, he went one for seven. I asked him about it. He said, I'll take uh, one for seven. That's not going to bother me one bit. He said, These are the shots that I shoot. It wasn't like he was getting all terrible shots or anything like that, save for one, I think, where he, where he thought he got fouled there uh, in the paint. But six of those seven, I think he would take any other day. And of course, the cliche, the shots just didn't fall. But um, like the sample size is so small. And after two games at this team, uh, loses by 31 again and, and somebody and Joe Johnson goes all for 30 and Marvin goes one for seven and Frank decides that he can't shoot the ball out there then, uh, then I think Hornets fans should should really be pressed to panic button.
4: the Hornets have had two days uh, to mix some rest some practice and some tape study uh, Jonathan how are they dealing with the extended time between that game one loss and game two
0: yeah, so
5: plenty of tape. Uh, you know, They put it on the flash drive and they're watching it on laptops. We saw uh, Clifford setting up the projector and, and the whiteboard when, uh, when we were kicked out of, of practice earlier today. I know for a guy like Marvin Williams, still very close with Raymond Felton, his 2005 National Championship teammate at UNC. Uh, so he watched very close with the Mavs game last night, was happy for for Ray. Uh, these guys are also still very close with Portland, uh, obviously with Gerald Henderson, with Doug Roberts, with, and so uh if I'm not mistaken Portland might play tonight and so I think that's what they'll they'll be up to tonight. Uh and I could be wrong on that. But but yeah, I mean they're watching basketball at night and, and during the day they're watching basketball, they watch themselves. Uh and they're not as far as I know, I haven't checked the, the police water lately, but they're not getting in trouble down here, so that's
4: good. <laughs> uh wait, well, important follow up question. You mentioned uh, the the uh, flash drives, what are they rocking there? 8 gig? they use an SD cards? What are the...
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If, if I even knew what any of that stuff actually meant, uh, I am... Yeah, I, I don't know. But they have some type of flash drive, drive whatever they call them nowadays, right? It's
2: in the computer.
4: <laughs> the, it's a series of tubes. Uh, Jonathan uh, points in the paint, something the Hornets have been able to contain for most of the season. Opponents average 40 per game. Uh, During the regular season, the Heat scored 56 in Game 1. How important to the Hornets is reducing that number? And do they have a plan to stop it?
5: Well, and so the interesting thing and the kind of misleading thing about that is that while the Hornets have been very good at points in the paint, and you mentioned 40 allowed, which I think was tied with the Spurs for maybe the third or fourth best in the NBA this past season, they haven't been as good against the Heat. And so, yeah, I mean, we can take what they've done against everybody, we can take against what the team that they're playing against for potentially seven games and what they did against them for four of the regular season which one makes me feel better i them. want that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh well i'm sorry uh but but their last regular season game against the heat i think uh, clifford said they gave it something like 56 against the heat and so this is really in line with what they did in the last game and that turned out to be a win for the hornets of course but um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to win if you give up that many points if the differentials that much. Uh, like the points in the paint are also we got to take into account the second chance points and they have to get on the defensive glass. I mean, that was pitiful that they only rebounded 61% of of reboundable balls uh, there and that the Heat was able to get 14 offensive rebounds. That's not the Charlotte Hornets. They will get defensive rebounds first in the NBA in percentage around 74%. I think. Uh, so they're going or maybe 76%. And so to get to 61, that's such a huge gap. And if they can't play their game uh there in the paint, then they're just not going to win this series.
4: Your colleague Scott Fowler at The Observer wrote that uh, Kimba Walker still hasn't won a playoff game with the Charlotte Hornets, and he's not going to anytime soon unless he starts shimmying and shining. Did Kimba have any comments at practice today on his performance and whether anything needed to change on his end?
5: Yeah, he had an interesting note. Uh, uh, the, the side-on reporter for TNT asked him, Kim, do you think you need to shoot a little more? Uh, and I think his numbers were five. I mean, what was he? Six for... 13. 14 or 13. There you go. Six for 13. So a decent average. 19 points just under his, his season average. But look, we all know everything ratchets up in the playoffs. And we all know that this team is it really feeds off of his energy. Of course, that first quarter, no one's really getting all energized after that first quarter. If you're wearing uh, teal and purple, so we we all get that. But uh, number one, the the thing, the interesting thing that he said today was, after he said, "Yeah, I don't think I need to shoot more. I, I liked my shots, and I was trying to be aggressive." But every time he he got past the guy, there was another guy. Uh, and he was talking about the heat defense, and I don't know if that means that he's going to need a few more ball screens. I don't know. Uh, if there's going to need to be some, some better ball movement uh, and spacing on the Hornets' offensive side. Uh, but I thought, I found that interesting where he just said, yes, yeah, every time I tried to make a move and I thought I got past someone, there came another heat defender.
4: He's Jonathan Jones, writer for the Charlotte Observer. He's down in Miami covering uh, this, uh, hopefully what will become a, a more heated playoff series as we continue on. Friends call him JJ, apparently, and he loves these V-neck T-shirts. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate the info.
2: Hey, appreciate it, fellas.
4: All right, catch you later, JJ.
2: See
4: ya. All right. So, what if they don't win game two? Because J- Jonathan brought it up. He said, you know, he he doesn't know if they they can even pull out game two. He doesn't think that this series is is over. By any stretch of the imagination, but they right. could come uh, come back to Charlotte oh, O two. What if what what happens then?
2: Well Like I said this morning, I think the thing you worry about with that is this idea that they haven't won in how long has it been? 10? 10 games, eleven games, franchise wise, they haven't won a playoff game.
4: Yeah, yeah. just so, eleven, right? 11.
2: eleven. So they're creeping up on I think the NBA record.
4: Um, you think that weighs, not You think that weighs on their mind? We t- we well, discussed this just a think, little bit. I just think.
2: It was a question – it's in every graphic now after that game. If they don't win now, it, you know you start to think about it or you start getting asked about it. I mean, that's the worry, I think. You just have to play better. If they're in this game, they're going to feel better about coming home. If it's another 30-point blowout coming back home, I mean, that's the worst-case scenario, right? I don't think it's the worst-case scenario.
1: One thing we got to factor in when we talk about these long, drawn-out series, especially when you're talking about an older team in the heat, is that rest does play a factor. Rest is a big thing, and when you're going from two days to just one day in between games like you're going to see between Game 3 and Game 4, I think that's why you don't necessarily panic. Now, if they go up three zero, series is over. Well, it's just yeah. going to be over in five, I think, because it'll be a gentleman's sweep.
2: But how much pressure this is going to be on the Hornets to come back and win that home game? Knowing a, if they're down two nothing, that basically the season, the, the series is over if they don't win that one. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's of
1: pressure. a lot of pressure. But I trust this team to respond well, especially coming home. Especially if you're going to have that kind of game where I'm, ex- where I fully expect them to show up. I ex- expect the fans to show out. Full throat with their headbands, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 yeah. That's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be an awesome sight, and dare I say, maybe even old hive like
2: for that kind of playoff. Game. It's gonna be turned up in there. The biggest thing for me, I think, Doug, and you tell me how you feel about this. That game shook me <laughs> as, as someone watching, just like it shook the Hornets in the first quarter, because every feeling I had going into that is now up for debate. Because you saw this 30 point, 30 point blowout. And it's weird. There were like 30, there were four 30 point blowouts, right, in those first games. The Hornets were the only team that scored 91, 90 points. Everybody else was 70 to, to 100. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it was out of nowhere. I mean, from all angles.
4: And, and no one, and by the way, no one should get uh, any notions just because the Hornets scored 91. They, they scored, what, 74 after three? The game was paced at 85. I mean, that's an extremely slow pace. And, you know, that's because the Heat were, were taking all the shot clock they could and, and yeah. getting into their second and third pick and rolls. So, you know, I don't think anyone should take anything away from that. But back to your question, David. Well, other
2: than the fact that they were able to do well enough offensively, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah.
4: And and I think that um, they have guys in Kimball Walker who they, he stepped up in pressure situations before. And then Al Jefferson, Clifford commented several times during the season that, Al Jefferson plays his best basketball when there's something on the line, when when the pressure is on, when the situation, when the lights are shining brightest. So you just hope that 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 happens as well, and that that he wakes up defensively and offensively as well. Uh, but I want to get back to some of the defensive woes that the Hornets had. Clifford mentioning the fact that the, the Heat do some strange things on offense, including putting those three guys. On the baseline, and that leaves this this gaping hole in the middle of the floor that that the pick and roll up top can expose. Yeah. And they also, I, I was looking back at the tape today, they screen a ton in the paint, which is kind of an old school like Carl Malone. Yeah, it's a, I them. love their
1: back screens. I love what they do because that's what that's how you get your post guys easy looks. <laughs> that's how
2: you get Jeremy Lynn trying to keep. Uh,
4: white, side white side out of the paint, of the paint. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they got D Wade mid range looks like that as well. And 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 credit to the Hornets, they didn't foul Dwayne Wade, but that's partly because they, they didn't get enough. a hand
2: on. him. <laughs> I mean, you got to be near him,
4: right? But and and. Part of, and I think Clifford mentioned this as well at practice, that they have to do a better job of of getting to the point of attack. And you saw in several of those situations where um, uh, the the pick and rolls happened up top, and you had three guys at the baseline. Everyone was backpedaling. Batum, Marvin, Cody, they were all backpedaling, and and no one was attacking the ball handler. And so that has to be a point of emphasis as as they move forward. And then, you know, offensively, I thought I thought they did a good job getting to the free throw line, but eventually they're going to have to figure out a counter to what Miami did in terms of attacking their dribble handoff. They blitzed it. And they had a, a yeah. Whiteside or Ding hang back.
2: And you made a good point the other day. Uh, they started the possession as a result of that a lot of times near the midcourt line. I yep. mean, that's where they were receiving that ball and trying to go, and that's just not going to work. You're right. Driving to the basket was the one good thing offensively that they, they were able to do and kind of uh, you know force their will on that end. But they're going to have to hit some shots too.
1: That's the big thing. They they were. And I think the offense didn't look like Hornet basketball, not like at all. what we expected. Eleven assists, uh, eleven assists. A lot of stagnant play, a lot of iso ball, and that's not Hornets basketball. That's not how you win. Right. The thing is that speed that 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 the Heat showed early shell shocked them to the point where they just got stagnant. It got back to 2013, and unfortunately, that kind of ball, while it's efficient at times, it doesn't work because too many guys are stalled out and they're in their own heads and by that time it's already over
2: yeah and that's where we've seen the hornets when they really struggle on offense that's when the ball stops moving somebody tries to go one-on-one and you look at it like jeremy Lin led the team with three assists and i tweeted that out that was not a positive tweet for jeremy Lin. <laughs> it was just stay careful be careful, right. be careful. Well, i'm was, just saying it was retweeted it 27 it, it times it wasn't a shot at jeremy Lin. it was just he had three frank had two no one else had more than one so that's a problem. You got to have some. You got to have a share in the ball and get people in a good position. Outside shots, though, they got to hit. They got to hit more outside yeah. shots. And you got. And
1: unfortunately, what I'm worried starting to worry about is on the other side, Josh Richardson is starting to get warm.
4: <laughs> well, and, well, here's the thing that no one's talking about in terms of outside shooting. Okay, Clifford decided to go to an eight man rotation with Jefferson, Kaminsky, and Lynn as the bench, but. All up until the playoffs, they've had a nine-man rotation, and who's been the ninth guy? Troy Daniels, Jeremy Lamb, Spencer Hawes, guys that can shoot the three-point. We basically took one of those guys out of the rotation, guys that would normally contribute three to four three-point opportunities per game. No one, and I'm really looking at Frank Kaminsky here, no one stepped up into that void. And, and, and were you know, we're able to solve the, the, the problems that Miami was giving them on the offensive end. Yeah. I
1: have a concern about whether Frank Kamensky can play in this series because they seem to enjoy picking on him a lot. And while that plus minus thing can be like kind of misleading There were a lot (laughs) of of discussion
4: apparently about plus minus. There
1: there were a lot of plays where they singled him out. Now, I'm not sure. Now, granted, you're going to talk about paint defense. If you put Alan Spencer out there, but at some point, Either you're gonna have to go Al Spencer or Frank's got to play better, and I'm not sure it's gonna
2: happen for him this year. And that's why I think you may see Spencer halls a little earlier, right? I mean, because yeah. he didn't play much. But, well, I don't. Under, I mean, well, you I'm almost you
4: almost have to go to a three two zone at that point because they are going so small at the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah. That I don't. I don't know where ha- – Hawes can't guard Justice Winslow. <laughs> like that. That's who Frank was on in the beginning and mid.
2: Well, he can't guard him
4: either. <laughs> so. he, he, exactly. That but does, he's a little quicker. He's got a <laughs> chance. Oh, okay. He doesn't uh, –
1: the thing with Frank Kamensky <laughs> on defense, and it bugs me, and I, I know me and you have talked about this on Twitter before, he doesn't know how to use his length yet. He's got long arms. He's got a long reach. And against a guy like Justice Winslow who cannot shoot the jumper better than either me or you. yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to give him all the room to shoot that, and with your length, if he shoots it over you and makes it, okay, you'll take that. But you got to play him for the drive, and unfortunately, Frank doesn't know how to use his length to play him for the drive yet, and that's what's so frustrating about
2: it. And he can't stand still when he's running at him full speed either. Exactly, it's not going to work out well. I'm just saying, even in the playoffs, just as general, you got to make him go to the free throw line and hit that right. I- exactly, and that's I mean. A- I mean I would have gotten out of the way so Frank stood in there. Like when Winslow's coming at you, he's a he's no. A no horse. You go, you go old school, uh,
1: my, old school Miami Heat, old school New York Knicks, no layups. Yeah. You don't get a layup. If you get a layup, then you've earned it. That way, there's no any, no chance for the three point play. You put him on the free throw line. He makes his free throw lines. He makes his free throws. Okay. Hey, you earned it. Yeah, exactly. But, you but earned it.
2: I, at some point, I think we have to look at this game and say they got hit in the mouth. They didn't know what to do. It was a total butt kicking, and like sometimes you just don't butt need to break kicking. it down. I mean, sometimes that's just what happens. You know what I mean? So it's hard so, to, it's hard to analyze it on some level.
4: I, I'm going to take a little time from the next segment because I have to ask both of you about this uh, comment. For, and I wish I'd pulled the audio. Rookie mistake. But from Steve Clifford at practice today, uh, he he basically said, you know, they went into this game with the same offensive plan that they have uh, the the 82 games in the regular season. But defensively, he said you have to have a defensive game plan that in the playoffs. You have Mm -hmm. to have a defensive game plan that matches the strengths of the opponents. Okay, so we saw the Hornets do something differently defensively that we haven't seen them do a lot in the regular season that's relentlessly trap and blitz the pick and roll. And that didn't work. And I don't know if that's Miami just either figuring it out quickly or playing better than they have all season, but that makes me wonder, okay, that didn't work. Do you double down on that, like Bill Belichick style, if the play doesn't work the first time, try it again, or do you retreat and and play the same style of defense that you played in the regular season?
1: I think that one thing that we have to realize is Eric Spolstra is a very, Mm -hmm. very, very... Good coach. And one thing he knows how to do is dissect video. And He dis- He started as a video exactly. guy. Exactly. He started as a video guy. He <laughs> knows how to dissect video. <laughs> he did. That's the one thing he knows how to do. So you, if you think he didn't prepare them in those three days before this series for that blitzing pick and roll style, then I have a brook. I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Mind you, it was very, very cheap. I'm a very poor man right now.
4: It's Real weird. Quick. I was listening to Bill Simmons, and he said that Spolstra was not big on experimentation. I'm like, what? This well, guy—he's guy, changed the offense know, three times in the last in the quarter of the
2: season, right? They swapped it up a lot. But-
4: I don't know why Spolstra has this national. I guess it's because he had LeBron early, and then LeBron. I don't know why he has this national thing That's that he's still not out a. There, though. He's, I, there? I, yes, I, it is. No, is I think it? I think the national media d- does not view Eric Spolstra as a tactician, and no. I don't get it. Exactly. Maybe.
2: Well let me ask you this. Is there a coach player tandem that you'd rather have going into the playoffs? How or how many are there are there than Wade and Spolstra? I mean Pop Pop Duncan. Duncan
1: Pop Duncan, Curry Kerr, Kerr, Curry, Kerr, and maybe Stotts, Lillard? Maybe.
2: And not throw James Lou in
1: there Scott too.
4: Scott Russell.
2: <laughs> you guys didn't catch that.
4: What?
5: What did you? going I I nope.
2: nope. to nope. my...
1: No, no, I was. I, I heard it. I was trying to ignore it and <laughs> move on. To, I was f- totally focused Do, Do, on Donovan my...
2: Durant. No, 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 no. Not, not taking that one. Not,
1: not after last night, especially <laughs> after. Not after last night. Carlisle and whomever. Uh mm. Carmel Dirk. No, Carlisle the only Dirk. reason I say no, Car- Carlisle Dirk, is because let's be real here. That Dallas team won forty-two games on what's left of <laughs> Dirk and little else. Some some Carlisle, too, though. I, I
2: like Carlisle. Yeah, 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 I just don't like the dirt pairing in, in 2016. I just don't like yeah, it. Yeah, well, point being that Wade and i have been there. Yeah. They know how to do it. They're in There seat. aren't many. I mean, you just add the right pieces into that formula, and you're going to be tough to stop. So.
4: Good points all. I'm going to move on to this next segment. Uh, Hornets backup point guard and full-time hair god Jeremy Lin is many things... <laughs> To many people, David and Nada, he's a score. He's an idol. He's an accidental inspiration for a tattoo. He's also an avid user of uh, the website Reddit, a site where you can post and interact with other users on a wide range of topics. This is good. It's fantastic. Lynn took to Reddit to post some insider information inside baseball about his teammates, and here are. The top five things we learned from Jeremy Lin's Reddit post. David, kick us off. Number five.
2: Number five. Tyler Hansbro has the most hilarious and unexpected one-liners. He's also the one person on the team Jeremy Lin would never want to fight.
4: This just further solidifies my theory that Tyler Hansbro's <laughs> biological father is Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's just I'm you don't want to. No, I'm, I'm unexpected. I'm processing. W- Listen, Process. Conair. Think about Conair. Think about Nick Cage and Conair. Oh, the, the, the best liners Now on-liners. with the mustache.
2: <laughs> Raising Arizona.
4: <laughs> there you go. And I would never want to fight Nick Cage. Wait, That's is it too is it, much well, crazy? Well, is from Neal. Mississippi,
1: though, so that makes a, it makes a lot of sense. Missouri, Missouri. Okay,
4: yeah, yeah, that it's, really it's, makes I sense. it's Missouri. I
2: think. Yeah. Anyway. All
4: right. Number four, Frank Kaminsky is the team's designated Chipotle runner. A.K.A. Team Poisoner, as well as Al's personal Jimmy John's courier. That's Jimmy nice. Jimmy John's delivers the rookie. did <laughs> They were like, "Listen, I know you deliver very quickly, but we're going to we're going to send the rookie anyway." Yeah, yeah, no,
1: he's the rookie. He's
2: got to go
4: get <laughs> it. True. It doesn't
2: matter. That's true.
4: <laughs> Number three, David.
2: Sometimes Nick Batum arrives to practice on a Segway going <laughs> Boris dial Oh no!
4: This not this sounds like something out of one of those Blake Griffin Kia like in the zone commercials. Like, hello guys. No. Hello, fellow basketball players. I'm ready to hoop it up whenever you are.
2: Hello, fellow sports
1: players. Let me,
4: let me just hop off my vehicle of the future, the segue. This,
1: this makes me scared to sign <laughs> Nick Batum to a, to a long-term deal he now. because it, himself. Not, well, not, not, not even a, that. Not even that. I'm afraid of a lockout. And then it will end up being really Boris DL part two, where he uh, looks like Marlon Brando after no, that. No. He's too skinny. No, he's too skinny. Hey, 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 hey. You say that. Remember... We have we have a whole bunch of nice lockout candidates that gained weight and lost their careers. Boris Diaw surprisingly is not one of them. He just went to San Antonio.
4: You know, we focused on Frank Kaminsky and North Carolina food a lot, and and I don't. We've never really. No one's really talked to Nick Batum about how he enjoys Charlotte food fair. How does it compare to fine French cuisine?
1: Well, remember he came from Portland, so he's
4: probably. This is probably an improvement. Oh yeah. Has he been to the French Quarter? The, uh, the Latte Argentine. There's not much French food in there. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like,
1: literally, the extent of the French food around here is Amelie's. <laughs> Think about that. This is good pastries, though. Yeah, very good pastries. Delicious.
4: Uh, number two, Kimba Walker. This is, by the way, this is the top five things we learned from Jeremy Lin's Reddit post. This is actually Jeremy Lin. I, we we confirmed it's it. Confirmed. He's an avid Redditor. We're good. With, he's yeah. done the the what do you call him the, the AMAs, AMA's? Yeah. AMAs. AMAs. So he's confirmed. All right. Number two, Kimba Walker always wears a backpack as big as him, so he looks like. And this is Jeremy Lynn quote. So he looks like a middle schooler on the first day of I school. I like that one. <laughs> that is a that New York thing. Cool. I can confirm that. that why is that? Because so, New York started that, yeah. So where the where we basically because I thought it was tiny backpacks.
1: I thought, no, that was the thing. No, no. No, 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 it's just the backpack <laughs> thing, a big backpack. Because you got to remember, I've seen some videos where it's like him and Troy Daniels or him and Lamb. I remember
2: specifically
1: on the China trip where they took a PS4 with them and oh, yeah, yeah put it
2: up in, the, in and, the airport,
1: in in the airport. Yep. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what, what he's doing where he does that. But I carry a backpack. Before I actually like got a really decent car, I took a backpack with me everywhere. So it's how, a New York thing.
4: All right. Well, how big is your is your backpack? Is does the backpack have to be relative to your size? Yes, it you're does. Kind of a, you're kind of a big dude. Yeah, it does. It does. Do you, My, is there a big and tall backpack store? No, there isn't, unfortunately. <laughs> Sir, I would like your biggest backpack. No, it, the it, bigger the better.
1: Exactly. Otherwise, I'd be looking like I was on a camping trip, and we can't have that. <laughs>
4: Number one,
2: number one, Cody Zeller loves sandwiches like sandwiches. me. So on the road, I always ask him where the best and nearest sandwich spots are.
4: <laughs> I put this number That's one. That's a good
2: one. That, that is a good one. I
4: put this number one not because Jeremy Lynn revealed that Cody Zeller he loves, loves sandwiches. sandwiches. That's I mean we all it's, I think if you don't if love you don't like sandwiches you're a communist. Get, Let's get be real. Out. But I put this number one because he apparently is a is a statewide stateswide sandwich. Expert. Cody? He knows or, where all the sandwich places uh, are.
2: He's the go-to guy. He's the go-to. He's just in Yelp just right. the whole time.
4: Where are the hottest sandwich places in this city? <laughs> Go to Zeller.
2: Hey, one uh, observation I got from this is, the, okay, the team nicknames. Mm-hmm. I just want to break them down real quick.
4: So, yeah. They, the, could, the use, Lynn, they could use some. Lynn basically we revealed give a, every single player's nicknames. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's Courtney Lee. See, Lee. <laughs>
4: Now right.
1: Sea Seeley probably has been going through the league for God knows yeah. how long. You can't
2: change it now. Jeremy Lamb. Jay Lamb.
4: I'm sensing a pattern.
2: Yeah. Spencer Hawes. Spence.
4: But what's the or other? Or Needle. I don't like Needle. Needle, like needle, needle actually works like for, needle.
2: for
1: for I li- Needle actually works
2: for Spencer Hawes, though. Yeah.
4: Needle sounds like a was schoolyard another, insult. Was
2: there another was there another
4: I no, no one it? as big as Spencer Haw should be called Needle
2: and then one little note I thought was cool was that Marvin Williams gives his per diem to uh, to Aaron Harrison
4: no joke that's very cool that's, that is very cool
2: how can you not like Marvin you,
4: well you can't because everything you, you and when game when he, one is how you cannot like him <laughs>
2: <laughs> He gives his per diem game one you think he gave his per diem back to him that day I don't want this No, Aaron
4: Harrison, better not. No, no. Aaron said, "Listen, you're going to need this." By the way, Aaron Harrison's
2: nickname, Twin. That makes it. That makes sense. It's accurate. Nicknames are hard.
4: What do you have? No, not this hard. Do you have a nickname for me?
1: Um. Oh, I got to hear this one. I'm so glad you invited me for this one.
2: I don't. We don't really have. We don't. We don't. We don't even gotten to that level. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what level that is. But. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> y'all are horrible. Doug,
4: <laughs> Doug, that's my actual I mean, that's, name. I think if we
2: asked Lynn, it would be either D- Doug D. D.
4: Branson. It'd be D. Branson. D. Brand. D. D. Branson is like my username. Oh Jesus!
2: No, so. we don't give out
1: personal info on this. Come on
4: now. Oh, sorry.
2: Hey, the last thing was he likes Jorge Gutierrez and he likes talking to him. He played ball at Cal, so we talk about how awesome California is.
4: Well, that's you know, that's great. West enjoy Coast? all the enjoy all that high tax life.
2: What's up? More more Reddit from Jeremy Lin.
4: Yes, we would love it. I, I just it was it was a huge post. Go and read it. I think I I linked it on the show post and and visit the show post if you're listening live. Visit it right now and and vote in our poll. It's coming up uh, in in just a second. We're actually going to take a look at that poll and. We're going to uh, talk with uh, Nada Edwards here about the fan reactions to the game. One, can we a, say
2: over well, Overreaction. Hold, hold
4: on, hold on, hold on. I mean, it was a shlogging. I mean, they got they yes, got but, it put to them. And, and I think if fans. I have to tell you. I have to tell you, producer Katie's reaction. She she bought an MKG jersey shortly before he was re injured.
1: Mm-hmm. So and, did
4: I. But she still she still <laughs> she still wears it confidently to to games and, and the like. But <laughs> but when they lost, really before they lost, I think a middle of the fourth quarter, she took that thing off and slung it across the room. Katie,
1: well. no one blames you. No one blames you. I looked at my mentions about midway through the fourth quarter. I wanted to do the same thing. I don't blame you at all, Katie. But but yeah, as far as the fan overreaction goes it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun at all, especially when we start bringing up old stuff,
2: like mm. we should have drafted Winslow. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I did want to jump into that. Tell me why the Hornets didn't or maybe shouldn't have drafted Winslow. All right. The best way I can explain this is if you liked
1: all the points you saw this year out of the Hornets. Yes, I did. You wouldn't have gotten it with Justice Winslow. I like right. points. And you wouldn't have gotten it because you needed that outside threat. You needed a stretch for, for what Clifford was doing. If you like Justice Winslow, and and also, and this is the bigger point that I had on Sunday, he wasn't going to play for two years, especially if you signed Nick Batum. Because is he going to get playing time over Jeremy Lamb? No. Because Jeremy Lamb can hit, can hit the three, initiate the offense. Was he going to play over Troy Daniels? No, because he was going to hit the three. If And more importantly... If Aaron Harrison could hit a 3 right now, he would be playing. If he can consistently hit a 3, he would be playing because he's that nice big guard that you can initiate the offense with, almost like a Jeremy Lamb. Justice Winslow does not check any of the boxes outside of defense, and unfortunately, you can't go with a one-way player, especially another, at, one. another one, especially after the Noah Vonleh experiment and necessarily expect him to play immediately.
4: But Winslow has a, a, so much higher of an IQ than than Vonley has in terms of basketball.
1: And I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree when
4: with it. When he came that. into the game, he he affected it on like four straight possessions. He I would affected also, the entire game on four straight possessions.
1: I do I do agree with you, but I would also point out that when we talk about the Miami Heat, there are few teams better at developing young guys. Than the Miami Heat, especially if you look at Hassan Whiteside, Josh Richardson, a lot of guys like that. Remember, they they before that they were helping revive Gerald Green's career before Josh Richardson took off. They are really good at developing guys and knowing where their strengths are and accentuating those and minimizing the weaknesses. Notice there aren't that many corner threes for a guy like Justice Winslow. That's on purpose. You have a lot of guys that are known to take guys under their wing. Look at D. Wade; he taught him that Euro step that he pulled yeah. on Frank.
4: Well, and and we talk about the fact that we talked earlier about the fact that Spolster puts three guys, both post and perimeter, quote unquote perimeter players, it, on the baseline. That that is a good strategy. It's a good strategy for them because they can't spread out. You know, they can't stay high like the the Hornets will put guys on the on the wings. And spread them out, but you can't do that if you're Miami. So, and part of the reason is because they they do have a couple of guys like Justice that can't be dependent on. Yeah, for, you just go back and shots. look
2: what the Hornets were trying to do with that off season, which they did. They added, they succeeded, yeah, and they added three point shooting across the board. You bring in Winslow when in shortcut, you think in you short already everything when you think you already have MKG. Of course, you uh, you can't play. You can never play them together.
1: No, you couldn't. Right? Right? You couldn't yep. because you'd ha- you'd have exact exactly what you had last year with Lance. Right. You'd have the exact same thing. You'd have everybody playing basically from the free throw line and saying, "Okay, here here you go, Kemba Walker. You're not going to have the paint. We're going to let you shoot. Here you go, MKG. You he, we're going to let you shoot." Yeah, here you go, Justice. We're gonna let you shoot.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and it doesn't work. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack us there, Doug. But that's why, and you can argue whether you say, "Well, screw it, we're we're still gonna take him." But that's the reasoning. That's the reasoning.
1: The logic behind it was very sound. Yeah, the logic behind it was very sound, and it's understandable. And I'm not sure not playing Justice Winslow for two years doesn't ruin the kid.
2: Now let's break down the Godfather offer again, Doug.
1: No, we no, I don't want to do no. that. I want to go
4: I want to the poll that we put on the – and I've always said we have some of the smartest, most reasonable fans, and they came through in the clutch again. So I, I put a, a, a panic meter, and it's HiveCon for DEFCON. HiveCon 3, which is the lowest, yeah. got 50%. The buzz will come back. HiveCon 2, holding off on my second-round travel plans, 32%. And, and Hivecon One, which is panic, can Michael Jordan suit up is only 18%. So, our listener is reasonable, but you said not. A, you, you were paying attention to Twitter and, and on, on the air on the different shows, and, and guys are, are starting to panic.
1: People are starting to panic. They're blaming each other. They're thinking this is a Kemba fault thing, this is a Batum fault thing, they're blaming everything. This was an aberration. A thirty-point blowout has rarely happened to this team this year. Record-setting, exactly. Record-setting to the point of one point four points per possession, which is a record for this season. If you don't need anything, if you know nothing else, know that that was a record this season. That should show you how much of an aberration this was. I, I I I get. Panicking. I get it not looking bad. I get not liking the optics of it. But at the same time, this is a very good team that's going to rebound. And more importantly, they're not going to get swept. Can we stop worrying about getting swept? Because I'm worried. <laughs> That's just David, David. David.
4: Well, it's eleven games. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's a, the history. You hope it's not weighing down on Kimball. But Walker's I'm with mind.
2: you. The bounce back. I've been on the bounce back train all year. They're going to get legit. game
1: four.
4: I'm willing to guarantee that
1: they're going to get game four. If only because those old guys are not going to be ready to go game four. Now games two and three are going to be the issue because you got plenty of rest. You got plenty
4: of rest. And if Plenty have, of time for Spoelstra. Plenty to of
2: Miami downtown. Exactly. Spolstra. But
1: this—that's the benefit of finishing third. Yeah.
4: All right, that, fi- final question before we get to uh, what's happening around the NBA playoffs with Nick Denning. Is Kimba Walker, and we heard from Jonathan Jones a little bit on this earlier in the show, is Kimba Walker in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation yes. with fans? The Heat schemed against Kimba Walker to keep him out of the paint. Uh, every Kimba said it at practice. Every time he drove, there were two guys trying to keep him out of the paint. They got him off the free throw line. They, they got him away from the catch-and-shoot three opportunities he's had all season. And he still managed 19.6 of 13 shooting. Yet I look around on on these Twitter polls saying who should step up, and it's Kimball Walker, Kimball Walker, Kimball Walker. What's going on here now? Well,
2: the leader, though. I mean, well, that's going to come with the territory to some
1: degree. I just
4: think he's damned. Like, he's damned if you points 19.6 of yeah. 13 shooting, that's good.
2: That
1: That's a great night. That's a great, efficient night. When you're shooting around 50%, especially when it comes to, from three as well, I don't know. It's not Kemba's fault because, unfortunately, for some fans, they don't realize that Spolster's main purpose of that defense right now, you're going to take away Kemba Walker first, you're going to take him away second, and you're going to take him away third. Then everybody else is the factor. You take away Kemba Walker, you take away the swagger of that team, they're going to be like they were game one. You have to take them out because otherwise they start feeling good, then you got Marvin Williams start making shots and feeling good. You got Jeremy Lamb starting to feel good. You got Jeremy Lin feeling good. You have Frank Kamensky feeling good. You take away that good feeling from their leader, you're gonna and you take the head away from the snake. That's gonna be
2: it. Do they need more Lin and Kemba together? No,
4: no. It's too well that that means Lin guarding Wade. I know that's a bad thing. That's a bad. Here's why I say he's damned if you do, damned if if he doesn't. Because had he shot. Five of seventeen for twenty five. Oh, they're and killing got, him. Uh, they would have destroyed him. Yeah, they when, said he's, in actuality, he's forcing, he's forcing it was a things. blowout.
2: Like no one, you can't hang this on any one person. I don't think.
1: No, you can't. You can't. This was a team failing. This was a team failing against a team that came out. Ready to establish dominance. You can't blame a single solitary person on this one. But you-
4: and I think reporters were hinting when they interviewed Marvin Williams the the first day about you know his failings against the Wall and and Marvin seemed a little annoyed. He because I, I he think, shouldn't be. Well but I think he sees this as a team failing as well. As as this was a scheme that they had going in to you know uh, uh, basically double the, the ball handler on the pick and roll. There's and a then, lot of
2: people that left Ding open.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but personally, like I get being prickly for being blamed for that because I wouldn't like to be blamed for that and called out in Front Street. But unfortunately, we when if we're gonna assign blame accurately, Marvin's got to take a lot of it because that was a no show. A lot of that was a no show. You can't again. What you say? one for seven or, or one for six or whatever, and six of the seven he, he would gladly take. At the same time, it was a no-show for a guy that's coming up for contract.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, again, Kim the difference Will. is Kimba is Kimba's the guy, right? Kimba's the leader. Kimba is the guy. And I feel like he he was a little slow to start, and by the time he really got going, it, it was too that late. 17 point. The problem was, it's fit, like like Jonathan was saying, 15, 17, that, those are not insurmountable leads, but you couldn't get any stops. So you were scoring, but if you can't stop them more than two times in a row, it doesn't and they, matter.
4: And 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 they couldn't get a rebound. Really. And, that, and they n- couldn't finish the defense because yeah. the first they That's they like, yeah. got the, the thing is like if you look back at the tape, they got the Miami Heat to their second pick and roll. And when you do that, you have a greater chance of getting you know a son whiteside in the middle of of the floor stuck and not able to pass. But the problem was they got into their second pick and roll, got a, an okay shot up, and then got the offensive rebound. yeah, and then it's all reactionary. then there's there's bodies flying That's academic
1: pretty much. yeah, and that's the biggest issue I think I have with it. And that's the biggest issue I might have with Marv. That boxing and sealing was mediocre at best, and I understand that it's Hassan Whiteside, but you also have another big down there helping you seal. So the bigs are going to have to do more than just seal like what they normally do. They're going to have to go and get the ball. Everybody
2: it's, is. I mean, Batum. Batum, yeah. you know, That's a team-wide thing. bounce from him, so it's going to have to be a team effort.
4: All right, let's, uh, let's go to one of our favorite segments. It's uh, what's happening around the NBA playoffs with Nick Denning. Presenting important news. Stop what you're doing and listen. Nick, welcome back to the show, my friend.
3: Hey, how's it going?
4: Good. What's happening around the NBA playoffs?
3: Well, we have our, I guess, second offseason coaching hire um, so far. I guess it's not the offseason just yet, but for some of these, these teams it is. Uh, the Phoenix Suns have hired um, Earl Watson to be their head coach in a three year deal. Uh, Watson was the interim coach this season after the Suns fired Jeff Hornacek. Um, according to reports, the primary reason they brought him back was, uh, I guess he was backed by many of the players during their off during their exit interviews. Um, so good, good on, good on Earl. I mean, this is you know, it's it's good that they listen to the team and you know, it's, even though the record probably doesn't reflect it, it's certainly a um, you know, it seems like the right move at least in, in the um, in the immediate.
4: It, sound, it, sound, it sounds like it, it sounds like uh, Suns management were, were ready to exit to their offseason. They were like, oh, it's, we don't want to interview He's anyone else. Here. All He's He's right. got
1: the keys. Yeah, and more importantly, <laughs> if you saw anything of that team this year, and I saw them up close and personal, they didn't look like they wanted to be there with Earl Watson. This is going to be another mistake of a coaching hire.
4: Uh, Earl, we have one question for you in your exit interview. Are you actually Jeff Hornacek in disguise? Uh, no. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, what else is happening?
3: Small um, Crawford, Crawford was named sixth man of the year. Uh, he averaged 14 points a game this season, shooting 40% from the field, which really isn't that good. I, but, you know, the, the, the important thing about this, is, I guess the significant part about this is he, uh, this is his third time winning it, and he's the first player to ever do that. Um, and just for a note, I don't know if you guys talked about it earlier, but our man Jeremy Lin uh, finished seventh in voting. He received one first-place vote. Do we, know who, do we know who voted for him? I'm not, is that released?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it was Rick. I really wouldn't be surprised if it yeah. was Rick. But
4: last year, Rick didn't vote for MKG, MKG. so I would be a little surprised.
2: <laughs> we'll f- yeah.
4: Anyway. Uh, well, n- no, that's interesting. I, I- Go ahead and-, and-, and get your third point, but I really want to talk about this Jamal Crawford thing here in a second. But what- what- what's, your- what's your third item?
3: Okay, well, the, the third item, of business, um, the Thunder, obviously, you know, won by 38 points against the Mavericks in game one. Last night, however, the Mavericks bounced back in won game, Two. You know, Steven Adams just a second fraction of a second too short on getting that tipping in. Um, but you know, after Game One, me wrote off the you know me wrote off the Mavericks completely. Um, but with their ability to get, win Game Two, I guess this kind of flows into my question. So maybe you know, we'll, hopefully we get back to the Lynn thing. But my question to you guys is: When you have a blowout victory by the home team in Game One, um, do you think that this can mislead fans and the media and even players into thinking that the series is over?
4: And, and Depends I, on the
2: youth. Unless you're San Antonio and Memphis.
4: Well, look, the, the Hornets series, yes. This other series, no. Uh, that that series is like Oklahoma City Maverick. It's over. Oklahoma City's delaying the inevitable, but it's
2: over. But I think a lot of people saw that going maybe six. Six, six, six. Wait, standards. they're just so hurt. Mav- Wait, Mavs OKC? Okay, I didn't see that going six. I saw I that going five tops. I said some people.
1: Well, where are these people? And can we have <laughs> them checked? I'm saying I some other Can we get with all
2: that? <laughs> I'm, just,
4: I'm just saying, where are these people, David? I want to get them checked. Nick, what do you think about Jamal Crawford winning the sixth man of the year? I I, I don't like it. I, I think he, he inefficiently scored all season, he didn't really do anything else. I love Jamal Crawford.
2: Thank you, David. Well,
4: <laughs> what? <one. laughs> Nick, don't don't leave me out on an island here. This is ridiculous. I mean, there were better candidates. Will Barton was a much better candidate.
1: I agree with you the there.
3: Right, but but I, I think the difference you're going with, and, and, and I agree with you to an extent, but there's a couple of things I think going into play here. Um, when, when Blake Griffin was out, Crawford's numbers jumped. He averaged 16 points a game. He shot the ball a little bit better. So he stepped up kind of in that absence, not you know, significantly, but there was, there was an increase. The problem, I think, when you got somebody like Barton is you know, is Denver actually like, – they weren't, they weren't ever really competing for anything. So I really think you could get – I mean, if we're going to say that Crawford shouldn't have won it, we've got to give it to a guy that actually – not only was he coming off the bench as a sixth man, but he's contributing to a team that's going for the playoffs.
1: So would you throw Iguodala in the mix? Because I thought Iguodala yeah. should have won it.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely.
2: He absolutely. finished second. So, yeah.
4: but the thing with Barton is, you no, know, they they weren't a contender. But imagine Denver without Will Barton. I mean, they would have been. They a, a complete, they'd have been number one were,
1: in the lottery. They'd have been a
4: complete <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and utter joke.
1: But, and what they were? What were they? Well, they were
4: a complete. No, they weren't a complete <laughs> and utter joke. They were, joke. They were uh, you know, a snicker. No, mm. they were a chortle. They were not a snicker. They were a solid snicker. No, Hashtag they were solid. a
1: chortle. Chortle. <laughs> chortle.
4: Uh, no, I know. I think I just I just don't like and these awards. Let me just say this: they mean nothing, and I feel like
2: don't don't tell Jamal Crawford that well, this he's, is his what, award now. He's got
4: well, he's <laughs> got three Kias. Yeah, don't tell him that. But I, I just think that, that these awards could be better served, elevating. Younger players, players that are up and coming, introducing them to a national audience instead of whatever this was, service to a guy to give him three awards. I'm just saying to me, this just moves the Sixth Man of the Year and other awards that aren't all NBA into further obscurity amongst the the the, the fans at large. That's my only thing. Jamal Crawford did nothing well, but look, score the basket.
2: Crawford's the third leading scorer on a Clippers team that some people see as. On a good day, could have could challenge for the he Western Conference, He almost shot right? under 40%. I know. I get it. His percentages were down. I mean, so some of this may be going on past history, too. But he's still scoring. And let's be honest, six-man, you're not going to win a six-man if you're not scoring, right?
1: Unfortunately, no. And I think that's why you need to change the perception and change the parameters of how the six-man is looked at. Because if you're talking about six-man being the most valuable guy off your bench, then it's got to be Andre Iguodala. But if you're not going to change the criteria of it to guy that scores the most or basically guy that chucks the most and the only reason you're not starting is because you can't play dead in a Western when, when it comes to defense, then, yeah, Jamal Crawford does deserve it. But at the same time, to me, Andre Iguodala was the guy.
2: Yeah, at the same time, I'm never going to be mad at Jamal Crawford for getting an award. He's 36 years old. He makes every game he plays in more fun and more interesting to watch. This is true.
1: And he's never
2: afraid. He's still not afraid to chuck it, obviously. (laughs) Of course, he's got no conscience.
1: He's on, again, he's,
4: think about this. He was Lance before Lance before he got his head. Uh, Oh, oh. Yeah. Can we go, real quickly? Can we swing back to this Mavericks OKC game?
2: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'll go get sources if you want sources. I'm just saying, I've heard people say it. I need these sources. (laughs) I need these sources. (laughs)
4: Don't be brassard. Don't be brassard on me. Sauces. Um, Raymond Felton. Former this Former is the way I'm Bob gonna tie cat. this is why I'm gonna tie this in. Former Bobcat, twenty one points, <laughs> a ton of threes. Shoot still shoots really oddly. When we're talking about a ton, ton of threes, we're not talking about a ton of number threes, are we? No, I'm saying he weighs a ton and he hit threes. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm just I'm just trying to make sure that it's a ton of three not like the number three meal at McDonald's or something no,
4: like that. No. I'm we're kidding. He had a great game and he looks he good. Did. He looks a little well, Schvelter. He, he looks yeah. I said good, not great. Nick. What were your thoughts on this game? I mean, well, look, the Mavericks really threw their A game, right? Three. And they, they only won by one. Well, no Darren
2: Williams. I mean, coming off a 30-point yeah, blowout, it would have been easy to pack it up. Nick, I'll just speak for you. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs>
3: Sorry. So <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, well, it, it helps Dallas that, you know, Durant and Westbrook, watch like 5 of 37 combined. Is that, is that the correct number? Is that something along? They, they shot the ball terribly. I mean, what stands out to me about Felton, I mean, okay, he was he 21 points, you know, but 11 rebounds. I mean, what, I, mean I didn't know the guy could get up like that anymore. I mean, he, I guess just putting himself in good position, it's, it's – David, you made a good point. I mean, the fact that they, they threw the best shot at him and won by one and only one because Steven Adams was slow on his tip, tip in, I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, I, I don't think it – I don't expect Raymond Felton to, to repeat this kind of performance um in the next game even if it's at home
2: no and i will say he missed those two free throws at the end of the game too they Mm. kept it at a one point margin that would have been just that would have been been a tough one to take that cost him the game after how well he played it would
4: have been like the detroit Cavs game one where detroit shot better from the three point line than they had all season and then ended up losing uh nick thanks as always my friend we'll talk to you uh, next week
3: yeah thanks guys
4: all right, one last thing. Uh, go back out to Twitter and, and this poll real quick. Uh, the standing still the same. Fifty percent of you HiveCon three. The buzz will come back. I like it. And Thank you for being smart. Thank I'm t- you. I'm telling you. I appreciate we have it. The smartest Twitter followers and, and show helps. listeners. Time
2: helps. This first twenty four hours were they were rough.
4: And yeah, brutal. One of uh, one of our he's one of our Twitter followers really smart. He says use Twitter polls next time easier to use. I gotta get those clicks, man. at dot com. are our home. That's our home.
2: <laughs> oh, Jesus, go to your home.
1: Go to your go
4: home. home. All right, that'll do it for us Hornets fans. Thanks so much to our guest uh, Jonathan Jones uh, covering this Hornets Heat series out in Miami for the Charlotte Observer, and of course to our friend. Dude. Dude, Edwards. Incredible. Always, you're coming just through always the bringing the
1: heat Look I have to If I don't then who will
4: Well, who, How can folks listen to you on the Mic Check Podcast
1: Alright you gotta go to Podomatic Look up Mic Check Podcast I put the links out every week I was supposed to be recording with my first official guest One Doug Branson But oh. unfortunately the FNZ Studios Weren't really available Outside of that though Again Tuesday, Friday Coming out with a podcast every week We will recap Probably game two on Friday. And I think we're going to go get friend of a mutual friend of all of ours, Dustin Pfeiffer.
4: Nice. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to at thehive.com for all the latest news and analysis. For David, Nick, and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in. Forget about game one. Stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.